Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. Hi folks, my name is Sean Ketchison, and uh, I'm really honored to be with you. Thank you so much for allowing me to spend these next few minutes with you, and I'm quite passionate about the message that I have to share. Now you might notice that there's a ladder on this Chesterfield beside me. It's a uh, it's not really my buddy, but it is a ladder. And uh, this ladder is here because it's it's the prop to help me explain uh, how we do life. One of the ways that we do life is by climbing a ladder. People work very hard climbing ladders. Uh, they will sacrifice their time, their energy. Some people fa sacrifice families, um, all kinds of stuff to get to the top of a ladder. We sacrifice to get to the top of the ladder because that's where we're told all the good stuff is. You get to the top of the ladder, you get the good stuff, you get significance, you get success, all this stuff. And the world tells us we want it, we buy the lie, and we work hard to climb the ladder. Let me introduce you to a, a ladder climber that I knew many years ago. He was really good at climbing ladder. This guy had a knack for finding land opportunities to purchase land, develop it into housing, and he became a multi-millionaire. I remember one time pulling into a parking lot, and uh, there he was in his high, highly valued exotic sports car, and I pulled in beside him in my old Reliant K car. It was a beater, you know, one of those things that's a rust bucket. I pulled in, looked over at him, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I didn't know people actually drove a car like that. It's a car that I thought you just kept in your heated garage and washed. He would look at me and saw my beater car and he'd say, wow, I didn't know people drove cars like that. So we both had the same thoughts. Wow, who knew somebody would drive a car like that? My friend was a, a really good ladder climber and I got to know him. I discovered that one of the things he liked to do when he was younger climbing the ladder was read the Wall Street Journal and magazines like Forbes and stuff like that. And he would get a real energetic charge when he'd read an article about an entrepreneur who had been really successful at climbing the ladder. You know, the, uh, a young entrepreneur that made lots and lots of money and was buying up the world, that sort of thing. He'd read these articles, feel energized and, and work harder. One day he read his article and he discovered that the person he was reading about was actually younger than him. His response was to get depressed. You see, if you're a ladder climber, if that's your goal in life, you, you wanna be further ahead than everybody younger than you. His ego couldn't take it. He was very discouraged. So he quit reading those articles and just worked harder and harder and harder. The result was he lost his wife, his kids disrespected him, and he made the ladder climbing his God. Now, he climbed it well. I had the honor of doing his funeral a few years back. It was the largest funeral I ever conducted. Several thousand people were there, including the Premier of Ontario, the Mayor of Ottawa, the Fire Chief of Ottawa, Federal Cabinet Ministers. They all came. Now, why did they come? They came for one reason. He was rich. He climbed the ladder, made multi-millions, and he was rich. He was also a person who, in many ways, was broken. Oh yeah, he climbed the ladder. He got to where the world said all the good stuff was, where he got significance, and he left behind broken relationships and alienation from his own kids. Truly tragic story.
So one way of doing life is to risk everything you've got to get to the top of a ladder and find that it is totally empty. Now here's the other way you can do life. It's the exact opposite. And this is just so fascinating and exciting to me. Rather than going up the ladder, we choose to go down a ladder. Now, here, here's the scripture reading I want you to consider. It's from Philippians 2, 5. I think we've heard it read already. But this is what Paul writes. Paul wrote, let this mind be in you. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So I'm supposed to have the same attitude about life that Jesus did. So here's a question. What was Jesus' attitude about life? Well, it says this. Jesus, who being very in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So if, if we look at this ladder here, my buddy over here, the ladder, and you look at job titles, where would you put the position of God in life? Like, whereabouts on this ladder do you find God? Well, I think God is at the very top of the ladder. That, that's where you put God. So Jesus starts off in life being, in the very nature, God. He's God. So he's at the top of the ladder. But guess what Jesus does in life? As we read on, we discover that he made himself nothing, and he took on the nature of a servant. That's Philippians 2, 6-7. So Jesus starts off at the top of the ladder. He's God, but he also takes on the nature of a servant. So now he's one step down on the ladder. When I think of the word servant, I'm going to think of the word angel for this illustration. But it says not only did he put on the very nature of a servant, but he also, we discover, he put on human flesh. So he's not just a servant, he puts on human flesh, and he goes down a step on the ladder. Not only does he put on human flesh, but a lot of people come into the world as, as humans, and they are born in a country where they have lots of opportunity, or they're born into a very affluent, influential family, and they've got it made in the shade. Jesus came into the world, but he was not born into affluence. He was born into poverty. We all know the story. He's, he's, he's born in a manger. He's born into a very poor family. And that family, they, they, they flee because people want to kill baby Jesus. But that's not how low. He goes even lower than that. He goes lower than a poverty-stricken human being. We're told that he's obedient, even obedient to death. But it's not just any death. We're told in Philippians 2.8 that his death was death on a cross. Now, for us today, that just means pain and suffering. But in Jesus' day, death on a cross was the greatest humiliation you could experience. To die on the cross is an act of humiliation. So here's how Jesus did life. He starts at the very top of this ladder. He's God. He goes one step to be a servant, down another step to be a human being, down another step to be a human being born and living in poverty throughout his existence, down another step to death, and down another step to death on a cross, which is humiliation. So here we have a contrast. In the world you and I live in, we have marketers, advertising people, telling us to climb the ladder at all costs to get to the top, newer, bigger, better, whatever, at all costs. And Jesus comes along and he, Jesus says, no, 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 there's a whole different way. You, you don't want to climb the ladder, you want to descend the ladder. Now, here, here's a fascinating point for me. 
what is wrong with being a ladder climber? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. Ladder climbers to climb up a ladder, you look up, you look up, you look up. And what I just explained is that Jesus is not a ladder climber. He descended, he went down. And ladder climbers, you ready for this? Ladder climbers never find Jesus Christ in intimacy with him. They don't. If you're a ladder climber right now, if you're battling it, you know what I mean. You know you're far from God. We climb ladders, we drift from God, because you can't climb a ladder and find Jesus Christ at the same time. Now, Jesus spent a lot of time trying to explain what I'm explaining to you to his disciples. One day his disciples come up to him, and they have this question. They ask, who is the greatest amongst us? That was Luke 22, 24. They're basically saying, yeah, we're in this uh, Jesus movement with you, Jesus, and we want to know who amongst us is going to be the greatest. They're still trying to climb ladders. And Jesus takes a bowl, a washcloth, and he introduces something radical, and that is what I'm going to call the fellowship of the towel. So he has around this, they're, they're having a meal. The disciples have gathered. They've walked into this room with open sandals, with soiled, dirty, filthy, smelly feet. They've been walking in not on cobblestone roads, but on muddy roads where, where animals have left their waste and their filthy feet. And Jesus takes a towel and a washcloth and he serves his partners in ministry by washing their feet. And Jesus says that um, if you want to be my follower, you've got to do the same thing. You need to wash feet. So Jesus does everything he can to, to condition us, to help us understand that in life, we're not called to climb a ladder. We're called to humble ourselves and become servants. Now, here's where it gets fascinating. I think intuitively, everybody listening to this talk today gets the point that we're not supposed to live a life on earth trying to get more money, more things, more popularity. We get that. But we are all ladder climbers in a different way. And this is where it gets a little deeper, this message, and I hope I can explain it okay. Some or other in life, we connect ladder, ladder climbing with earning love. We, we, we believe, I think, that if I do this, then my spouse or that special person will love me more. If I don't do this, then they will continue to love me and love me more. So, so we have this notion in life that the equation for love is don't do this, but do this and you'll be loved. I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm sitting down watching a movie with my wife, Sue. And it's one of those romantic type movies and I'm feeling all lovey-dovey. So I take advantage of the moment. I snuggle up to Sue, put my arm around her and I say, Sue, um, I love you. Now, what I'm expecting is this. I'm expecting Sue to look at me, smile, kiss me on the cheek, and say, oh, that's so sweet. And we go on to watching the movie. But here's something that can happen. I say to Sue, and I say, Sue, I love you. But rather than her looking at me and saying, I love you, and we keep watching the movie, she looks at me and she says, why? <laughs> why do you love me, Sean? Now, here's the question. Why would anybody ever ask the question, why do you love me? You want to know why? We ask, why do you love me? Because we live in a world of ladder climbers. And we believe that I will continue to be loved if I can do the things that my lover says I have to do and don't do the things I'm not supposed to do. So we ask the question, why do you love me? 
because we're looking for answers so we can maintain love. Do this, don't do that, is what we need to do to keep love. Now here's the crux of the whole message. This ladder climbing, whether it's to get newer, bigger, better stuff, which is a waste, or whether it's trying to climb a ladder to do the right things to be loved, it really messes with our hearts and soul in finding intimacy with Jesus Christ. This is something that's really worth explaining. If I ask you, does God love you? You'll say yes. If I ask you, how do you know? You'll say the Bible told me so. Nice churchy answers. But if I ask you, why does God love you? Then we've opened a whole new can of worms. But, but what I want to suggest is we have to have a really good answer to why God loves us to appreciate God and have intimacy with God. So I'm going to try to explain to you why God loves you. Story. A child is a couple years old and is now toilet trained. They're standing in front of mom and dad and they're toilet trained. But for some strange reason, the child stands there, smiles at mom and dad, and the child wets himself. <laughs> mom and dad look at the child, look at each other, say, uh, why did you do that? And the child says, cuz can. Parents say, what do you mean cuz can? Child chose to wet themselves just because they can. They chose to wet themselves because cause can. The answer to the wonderful question about why does God love Sean or why does God love you is simple. God loves you, God loves me, cause can. God does not love me, God does not love you because you or I have it all together, because we don't. Romans 5.8 says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Point is, I don't have it all together. I never will, but yet God still loves me. God loves me not because I'm the best at anything, because I'm really not very good at anything. <laughs> Scripture reading, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. But yet God still loved Israel, and God loves me and you, even though we're the smallest and the weakest in so many ways. Does God love me because I put him first? Because I loved him first? Nah, I don't do that. I don't. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. I sit here fully convinced that God loves me, not because I have it all together because I don't, not because I'm good at anything because I'm not, not because I love him so well and loved him first because I don't. God loves me simply because cause can. God loves me and God loves you because He's chosen to love us. So the world's equation for love is this. Do this, don't do that, climb the love ladder, and you'll be loved. God's equation is so different. God's equation for love is this. Take the truth, mix it with his grace, and you get love. And what is the truth about me? What's the truth about you? Here's some truth. The truth of the matter is this. I will never be good enough. 
I will never be smart enough. I'll never be handsome or whatever enough. I'm not perfect. Truth about me is I'm flawed. I fall and I fail. That, that's the truth about me. And um, I don't want to judge you, but maybe you're similar to me that you're flawed, you fall and you fail. So that's the truth. But here's the grace from God. God says you may be weak, but I'm strong. God says that you may fall down, but I'm here to pick you up. God says you're going to screw up, but I'm there to clean you up. God says you're not good enough, but I am. And God says you may think you've ruined your life, but I will make beauty out of ashes, out of the mess of your life. It's the most beautiful message, my friends. The truth is I messed up. That's the truth. Grace is God loves me still. God's for me. I put it together and I'm overwhelmed with his love when I propose that, when I, when I process all of that. Every mother gets this point so well when they look at their child. Let, let me close with this illustration, if I may. A mom, she's expecting her child. And what happens to mom? Well, first thing that happens is mom begins to feel sick. So this baby starts making mom feel sick. And then the, man, the little baby starts giving mom desires for all these strange foods. And mom starts eating food. And she starts to put on a bit of weight. And um, if mom's like me, um, we don't actually always want to put on more weight. So she begins to feel a bit awkward, perhaps. Still beautiful, but a bit awkward, perhaps. That baby keeps growing. And as that baby grows, mom tries to fall asleep at night. And she feels that baby kicking in her stomach and rolling over. And mom can't sleep anymore. And it gets more difficult and more awkward. And then the delivery arrives. And all of a sudden, mom is going through more pain, more agony than she ever imagined possible to go through and live through. And now the baby arrives. But it's still not clear, not easy, not easy by any means, because this, this baby is interesting. The baby is completely demanding at all the strangest times. The baby will scream when it wants something from mom. The baby will make messes all over the place and make messes for many, many years. And get this, the baby will never say thank you to mom. That little baby can't say thank you. Does mom love the baby? It's a huge question. Does mom love the baby? The baby has no ability to climb a ladder to do certain things and no, don't do certain things to get mom's love. But you, we all know that mom loves that baby. Why? Because can. God, and I know this for a fact, loves you. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you still make messes. Maybe you're like me and you still make demands and, and, and harass God with, with your wish lists. Maybe you're like me and you're not all that good at thanking God for the beautiful things he keeps doing for me or for you. Maybe, maybe you're like me. Maybe you have all those issues. But I sit here fully convinced that God still loves me and God still loves you because God can and God because God does. That's just God. So we have this ladder. Don't climb it. Don't spend any seconds trying to climb the ladder, whether it's to get stuff, to get significance, to get satisfaction, whether it's to try and do things perfect or whatever. 
Just give it all up to God. Just surrender it all. Humbly go to the foot of the cross, to the foot of the ladder. We admit who we are in all our brokenness and all our messes. Ask God's mercy to wash over us, and we are overwhelmed with his love. God loves you just as you are. He loves me just as I am with my flaws, my frailty, my faults. God is so good. Could I pray for you for a moment? I'm going to pray for myself because I need it right now, but I'd like to include you if that's okay. Let us pray. Father, um, I really don't fully get why you love us so much, but I'm thankful you do. And I know you love each person who's willing to spend a few moments listening to this message today. And so, Father, uh, my prayer is that you would all allow each of us to be filled and washed over with your presence and your love. We admit to you, God, that we have faults, that we've failed, that we're pretty frail and weak. I confess that I mess up and I don't say thank you very well. And I'm so grateful that you still love us, still love me, and you welcome us into your arms. So, Father, please forgive us for missing the mark, for all our mess-ups. Please forgive us. And, Lord, um, we want to pick up a towel and a basin and serve you well in this world, even if it means getting dirty. We thank you for the people who served us so well. Thank you, Lord, and help us to serve others, please, so that you can be glorified. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com, where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week. Take care and God bless.